divine disruption. Divine disruption. What a great phrase. Do you think it's ever happened to you? Divine disruption? When something by God's grace happened in your life to awaken you, reframe you, reorient you, save you. Divine disruption. It is, according to the Bible, a very real thing. This week I was driving home from the church and I came to a four-way intersection. You know, one of those intersections where everybody is supposed to stop. <laughs> I stopped. I didn't see any cars. I began to move forward. And as soon as I did, a white truck ran the stop sign on my right and turned right in front of me down the street where I was coming. This generated quite a bit of shock, even a little fear. I was hoping not to wreck my car that day. I stopped quickly again. I noticed a bit of anger at this person who had just run the stop sign. He just went right on his way. Was that a divine interruption? Who knows? I certainly felt relief <laughs> when my car wasn't wrecked. I certainly felt grateful, even as I was dealing with a little anger. Maybe God was present, disrupting an unexpected crisis on the way home from the church. But accidents also happen every day. God's not present with divine disruption on every roadway. We know this. So who knows? I can think of other moments where I might have sensed a sincere divine disruption. I was happily teaching high school history and government and coaching football and lacrosse some 40 years ago with a new baby in our house. And then events led me and Ginger to Union Seminary. Looking back now on that, it certainly feels inspired by something divine, maybe divine disruption, God at work, God leading us in a new way, a, a way full of many blessings and connections to wonderful congregations, including this one. Now for more than 14 years, I can count a few other divine disruptions along the way since then as well. I can also think about other people and other situations where it might be considered a divine disruption. A bad relationship, a terrible job, a paralyzing addiction, a new diagnosis, and with the care of the right people, the encouragement from loved ones, the help from professionals, and God's Spirit at work in all of that, a new season begins for that person. Looking back, especially, we may be able to see it as a divine disruption. Hindsight 
gives us more clarity, God using moments, God using people to make a way when there was no way. Or maybe it was a sense of failure, a slew of bad decisions for a person or a business or even a church. And then the tide changed and a new calling emerged and healing and hope were visible. A person found forgiveness. A business found new life. A church discovered God calling a new direction, new ministries. It could indeed all be classified as divine disruption. God, God's spirit, God's grace at work in all these moments. Friends, the Bible is full of divine disruptions. You remember Abraham and Sarah. Sarah, God said, go, go to this country, go and I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing. And their lives were totally disrupted. And in fact, the whole Bible unfolds from their life, uh, the stories in Genesis 12. Then in the middle of the Bible, this, this big book of Holy Scripture, the story of God redeeming people from defeat and from exile, from alienation, from destruction and frustration and restoring them. Divine disruption, again, God at work, God never leaving them, God's continuing to be their God, and they, God's people, all held together by God's steadfast love. These are familiar disruptions in the Bible. And today, we have a great and familiar story of another divine disruption. Listen, as I read from Matthew chapter 1, and Read along with me if you want. The words are in the bulletin. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but they had no marital relations with her. But he had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. As you know, since most of us have heard this story, this is one of God's greatest divine disruptions. Each Advent and Christmas, we're reminded of how God interrupts the life of this betrothed couple, Mary and Joseph, and we saw it all depicted today by our children in this church, how God interrupts this holy couple's life and launches them on a journey that redeems the whole world. That's the promise. Changes the world, redeems the world. And here's the thing. Every divine disruption presents options. 
and it presents questions. What are people going to do? Do we actually see God at work in what's happening? Do we actually trust that God is doing something that will lead to a new way? Do we sense God's care and God's comfort and will we respond? Will we align our lives with God's promised reign, God's plan, whatever it is? Will we align our lives with God or do we stay in the same old truth, hold to the old path, just carry on with the ho-hum and maintain the status quo? What do we do? What do people do? Most often, this story of God's divine disruption in the lives of Mary and Joseph gets focused on Mary. The angel appeared to Mary, as we saw today, Gabriel, saying, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. The angel uh, encourages Mary in this news, and Mary rejoices with Elizabeth, who confirms the birth by saying, blessed are you among women. Mary sings about God's magnificent ways. And then we have the birth in a manger and the angels singing glory to God in the highest. And we saw it depicted today, Mary pondering all this in her heart. All that is in Luke's gospel. We have only a few verses that give insight into Joseph. He was mostly, remains mostly a mystery. But we have these verses in this text today, and here is what we know about Joseph. He's engaged to be married. Some texts say betrothed, betrothed. Joseph and Mary had pledged themselves to each other, but had not yet married and not living together, it says. Marriage in that day was a two-step process. The engagement, which in, would include a signing of a marriage agreement and also a negotiation about money the cost of the marriage money would be exchanged between families and then the second step would be a marriage feast and the second step would often launch them into their life together but in these early days it would be a long time between the first step and the second step often because the woman was so young. Mary and Joseph are between these two stages, the agreement and the marriage feast. And then we learn some more about Joseph. He's a righteous man. That's a high compliment for anybody in any age. And how much we need that today. Righteous people. Joseph lives righteously, and in this context, it means living according to the commandments of God. He's honorable. Imagine that. But this is what creates the crisis in this story, the tension in this story. Mary is found to be with child, pregnant, and Joseph, a righteous man, is not the father. To Joseph's thinking, Mary, is his engaged wife, has been unfaithful to him. And if you follow the law, if you keep the commandments, the woman can then be cast aside, even, according to the book of Deuteronomy, stoned to death. But remember, this is a divine disruption, and God is not finished. 
This passage also conveys that Joseph is compassionate and kind and thoughtful because it says, and I quote, he is unwilling to expose Mary to public disgrace. And then we learn about the real divine disruption. An angel appears to Joseph in a dream, and the angel addresses Joseph, calling him son of David, which affirms the royal lineage to God's steadfast love and God's faithfulness from the beginning of time. God promised to David, the king, that God would establish God's covenant forever and would never desert God's people. So Joseph hears that he is part of that long plan. And then the angel says what angels say. Do not be afraid. But more than that, this angel says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She will bear a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Divine disruptions. This is how God works. This is how God keeps working. By showing up and making a way when there is no way and bringing about God's plan, God's healing, God's hope, God's love, life, peace, and joy as we light the candles. All that for God's world. As you can see, the title of this sermon is Courage. Joseph was in this place between engagement and the marriage feast. He was making plans for his life with Mary, figuring out what that would look like, carrying on as a carpenter in that region. And then all of this is shattered. Mary is pregnant? What? But Joseph has a new role, the angel tells him. Because of divine disruptions, Joseph has a new role participating with God in the inbreaking of God's plan in the world. Joseph has a new role nurturing Mary, figuring out how Jesus would save his people from their sins. Joseph gets to be part of naming Jesus Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Even in this crisis, Joseph actually goes along with it. Even in that great uncertainty, Joseph has courage to go along with this divine disruption. You've probably heard that the Chinese character for crisis consists of two characters. The first one means danger, like real threat and concern. But alongside that other character, there is another character that means incipient moment or crucial point when something new can emerge. Crisis, then, means both danger and opportunity. This is absolutely Joseph's setting. A pregnant woman with whom he's betrothed, and an angel saying she will bear a son, Jesus, Emmanuel. Joseph has this crisis. Will he be a righteous man? and do what he thinks he might do as a righteous man and go along with his own plan? Or will he be open to God and God's possibility and opportunity to participate with God in the redeeming of the world? 
divine disruptions always bring options and questions. We know what happens in this story. Divine disruption indeed shatters Joseph's earlier plans and sets him on a new course. Part of God's plan for the redeeming of the world, Joseph has a part in it. Joseph, this mysterious figure that we know not much about, becomes right at the start of Matthew's gospel in chapter 1 a model, a model for what God is always looking for. Courage. Courage to be open. To be part of God's emerging plans. This is what Jesus keeps urging from all of us. Follow me with courage and openness and be part of God's emerging plans in the world, the coming reign of God. Joseph is a model of faith and courage. Joseph models how we're to give our lives over to God and God's promises based on God's steadfast love, which is from the beginning of time and is forever. Courage to live into a life that is held by God. This is our calling, all of us, from the creator and the completer of all, God. Indeed, God keeps asking each one of us, will you step out? Will you step forward? Will you leave previous assumptions about what might be right and even righteous and be about the courageous loving and serving in the world? This is the invitation that we all get, always. Joseph, a faithful man, thought he knew how to live. He thought he knew what to do. And then divine disruption. And he becomes part of a new life God's purposes, God's reign with courage. Can we be open to God with courage? We're all invited to respond and keep responding every day, every week. Keep responding to God's gracious acts that shower us with grace and generosity from us in the world. Can we do that? Can we align our lives with God's important work in the world with courage? God doesn't want us to have peripheral roles like we might assign to Joseph. God wants us in the center of the story, actually like Joseph, working for and looking for Emmanuel. God with us, working for God's justice and God's purposes, emerging in the world with courage. We can ask hard questions. We can struggle. We can doubt. We can ponder and discern. We can deal with big issues. We can bring all that we have and all that we are. And we keep listening and we keep discerning, but our focus and our faithfulness and our courage are called to be on God, who calls us and never leaves us for the redeeming of the world. This is our calling. Some of you attended the film last week, At the River, about Presbyterian ministers and the challenges and uncertainties of serving God in the segregated South in the 1950s and the 1960s. These people in the film who were, were people who shared their stories about what they did when white members of Presbyterian churches in the South stood at the door arm in arm to bar African Americans from coming into worship. These people shared what they did when 
they invited their African-American sisters and brothers to the manse or to the Lord's table. And what happened to them because of the white people in their church threatened by these actions? Many of these people were run out of town, losing their churches, losing their places to serve. One of these ministers actually says this in the film. People keep talking about our courage, but we were just doing what we thought was right, what Jesus might want us to do. Can we do that? What are you dealing with, you, in your life? What are you dealing with? And how far have you stepped out in faithfulness, in courage, in loving and serving? What else could you do to align your life more with Jesus, with trusting God and loving as Jesus loved and serving as Jesus served with peace for God's light in the world? This is always the question. May God give each of us an outpouring of God's spirit so that with grace and courage, we can live faithfully all our days. That's our calling. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise, to hear your constant calling and to open our hearts to your spirit and live with courage. Well, that is the way of Jesus. Empower us in that way. Amen.